God. Someone in writing on the subject, or at least uh, who was getting to the subject, introduced it by saying this, is there such a thing as a sneaky Christian? He said, unfortunately, yes. But it's not the sort of behavior our Lord wants us to display. We have been, who have been bought by the blood of the Lamb are still capable of being worldly, self-absorbed, and even devious. Let's put together a scenario, he said. You're for, up for promotion, but so is Brandy. You're a Christian, but you still want to do everything you can to be sure your name will be the one on the door of that prized corner office. You work diligently, faithfully, dependably, and you pray for the Lord to give you favor for that position, but you also do something extra. You begin a quiet campaign of destruction against Brandy. Oh, no, you don't say that out loud, but uh, you may just stick your head into the boss's office and the one who's going to make the decision about the promotion and you innocently say something like, hey, I really need to head on to lunch if that's okay, but I hate to leave us shorthanded. Brandy's a, a bit late getting back again today. So you put an ever so slight hint of emphasis on the word again. Later that day, you see the boss coming your way. So you, you walk over to Brandy's desk and ask her about the project on which she's behind. Timing yourself to the boss's arrival, you say, don't mean to pressure you, but how much longer do you think it'll be on the Simmons proposal? I've gone as far as I can and I, with what you've been able to give me so far. And you look down at Brandy as if she is... Uh, you know, she is lower than you, obviously inferior to you. Did you say anything about Brandy that wasn't true? The answer is no. Did you start a rumor, tell a lie? No. Uh, that probably wasn't the intent of your heart. And if that were, those things weren't the intent of your heart, you might feel you're perfectly innocent. But you knew that every action you took was for the express purpose of casting a negative light on the competition. Then he said this, when we fear God, we don't make light of the competition. When we fear God, we don't lower others to make ourselves look good. The fear of God leads us to do right, to act in every situation of life, no matter what the result, no matter what the cost. So if fearing God, doing right, means I don't get the corner office, so be it, I don't get the corner office because I have a reverence for God that keeps me from doing what, quite honestly, probably anyone in the world would try to do. And that would be undermine Brandy so I can get the position that I believe I so rightfully deserve. And whether I feel like I deserve it or not, whether I've done the work or not, the fear of God, if I have it, will lead me to do the things that are right. It's the fear of the Lord that is so critical to life. It affects your workplace. It affects you at church. It affects you in your home. Because fearing God is going to make a big difference in the way you live life. And we've already learned and we've talked about how important it is to life. We've looked at a number of facts about the fear of God and why the Christian in that illustration we just gave really doesn't fear God and needs to make the choice to do so. Uh, and maybe we ought to ask the question, do you? 
Now, maybe you didn't need the facts. Maybe you know those things already. Well, then we've started and we began last week looking at the fruit of fear. So let's consider that. In Proverbs chapter 14, there are many reasons why a Christian ought to fear God. And it's these that I want to draw your attention to. We've already looked at this. We talked about one of the fruits of fearing God. It results in physical nourishment. Actually helps your physical health and well-being. By the way, that doesn't mean that someone who's sick doesn't fear God, okay? It's not saying and not suggesting that if you have an illness, you need to fear God, okay? Because uh, God does allow sometimes sickness and illness in many different cases. And we're, we're glad for that, aren't we? Because we've got a lot of people that are sick, you know, and that are struggling with things. So uh, the fear of the Lord doesn't mean that all sickness will go. But we do know from chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, that it brings health. It brings marrow to the bones. So it does affect someone in a positive way, health-wise. It leads to wisdom. We learned in chapter 9 and verse 10. It provides prolonged life. I think that's where we left off, right? In chapter 10 and verse 27. And also in 1923. Uh, teaches that it makes a big difference as far as as far as life is concerned. In chapter 14 and verse 26, where we uh, left off, I believe, the Bible says this, and the fear of the Lord is what? Strong confidence. I put it this way in the outline, letter D, it gives the blessing of confidence. Actually, the idea is strong assurance. That's what's found in the fear of the Lord. And here's the reason why. Fear of the Lord gives you wisdom. And rather than wandering aimlessly through life, when you have wisdom, you're able to make right decisions. You're able to go the right direction. You're able to make the right choices. By the way, I think that's why so many people hate Christians who fear the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord gives someone a strong assurance that, look, this is the right way to go. There is black and there is white. And today, by the way, no one wants to admit that. Um, in fact, I was just talking with my wife the other day. I was reading an article about, about a couple, and I won't go into the whole story. There's a number of things. We may even make mention of it sometime down the road. But uh, this, this, um, this couple had a daughter that was in public school. I think it was actually in Australia. And, uh, and the daughter, or the boy in her uh, classroom, uh, decided that he was no longer a boy. And so the teacher announced that everyone was now going to call so-and-so a girl. And, was, and so-and-so was going to be treated as a girl. And so mom and dad went into the principal's office and sat down and said, hey, look, we got a real problem. Uh, and he said, you know, do you, want us, do you want our daughter to lie to this boy? And the principal said, um, well, what do you mean by that? Not lying. And they said, yes, you are. And they went through and explained. They said, we're both scientists. And, uh, and science proves that a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl. And they went through and they said, we could give you a lot of reasons why, but we don't, we don't tell our daughter to lie and tell someone that they're a girl when they're a boy. And, uh, and you know, I don't think it's right for you to suggest that. And, and so when they actually said, would you suggest that we would, you know, lie to this boy and call this boy a girl, the teacher uh, defended their stance and said, yes. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? Black is not black anymore. White is not white anymore. Uh, we can't 
we can't state anything as a fact any longer. But you know, when you fear God, you have a strong assurance. It gives you a look. There's right and wrong, and it it, uh, it affects you in that way. Not only is there strong uh, confidence, but notice this. Look at the end of verse 26. I love it. His children will have what? Okay, so not only is there strong confidence, there's not only a definite look, this is the right way to go, this is the right thing to do, this is the right way to act, which, again, in our world, there, there are no right and wrongs. Whatever you feel, whatever your heart tells you to do, that's the kind of mentality that we live in. But in the fear of the Lord, there's just a, a, a confidence. This is right and wrong. But also, there's a refuge. Because, as I said, it's not a popular position today to have the fear of the Lord. To say right is right, wrong is wrong. A boy is a boy, a girl is a girl, and, and they always will be. And, and science absolutely proves that. Which was, which was the, uh, the point that was being made in the article. And they went on to explain, and we'll, we may talk about it again sometime down the road, but... Uh, do you know every every cell in the body except except uh, except the ovaries and sperm? Every cell in the body, two chromosomes that cry out, you're either a boy or a girl. Every cell, every cell in a girl's body has two X chromosomes. Every cell in a boy's body, except for those uh, exceptions, every cell has an X and a Y. And so. Scientifically, the body cries out, this is a boy, this is a girl. And there's no, there's no two ways about it. There aren't any, there's no middle ground. And you can't change that. And you can change the body. You can physically cut off parts. You can change parts. You can do all those things. Cells, cells still say, this is a boy, this is a girl. And, uh, and so, wow, that was free. I didn't plan to go off direction today but there's no definition today there's no definites it's all everything is up in the air everything's up to question but not when you fear God and when you fear God then you not only have that confidence but you have a place to run for protection and security and you'll need it because there will be teachers that say yes you're supposed to lie to this boy and tell him he's a girl and yes, you are wrong for saying that. And you need to sometimes just be able to go and run to the Lord and say, Lord, do you see what's going on? <laughs> can you, can, do you observe what's taking place? At work, I stood up for that which is right. I refused to lie and I lost my job, Lord. Um, today, I, I tried to help a, a couple understand that God's plan for them isn't divorce and remarriage. God's plan for them is to make their marriage work. And they got mad at me and they're not talking to me anymore. You know, you need to, when you, when you fear God, you're going to need a refuge. And I, I love that verse. It's precious, isn't it? His children, what? The children that fear the Lord, his children. Uh, and there's there's a real precious statement there. Shall have a place of refuge. Uh, here's something else it does. It brings forth, look in chapter 15 and verse 16, something else. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. So what's one of the fruits? The fruit actually will say it brings forth both contentment and satisfaction. Very interesting verse here. 
we've already actually made reference to it, I believe, but it's tied to the one which, uh, which actually follows it. If you look at verse uh, 15, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. And then it goes on, better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble uh, there, or therewith. I'm sorry, the ver next verse should be, better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. And these verses all seem to be somewhat tied together. But to give this idea of, look, that when you have a fear of God, when you have that right respect for God, um, there is a contentment and a satisfaction of life that a lot of people just don't have. And, and here's the truth. I found, and maybe you haven't, but I found that when I stray from God in my walk, um, I don't have that contentment. I'm not satisfied. In fact, um, look at our world today. How many people are just not satisfied? How many Christians aren't satisfied? Got a rotten job. Just surviving. Got a rotten life. I mean, I don't say it that way. But everything about him cries, you're not, I'm not satisfied. I just wish I had a little bit more. Boy, it'd be nice if I, got, if I had that. You know, why, am I, why, why don't I get a raise? Why don't I get moved up in position? I don't know what it is. But God does bring out in these verses that, um, you know, the fear of the Lord just gives you contentment and satisfaction. So you might not have much but you're satisfied without much. Um, you, you may not be the most successful, but you're satisfied in not being successful if that is indeed what God wants. It doesn't mean you don't give your best because if you fear the Lord, you're going to give your best, do your best. But you know, sometimes your best isn't straight A's. You, you know that? You know, I've talked to I've talked to young people when I worked as a youth pastor for about ten years, and you know they they you talk to them about grades grades. Well, you don't usually you don't want to talk to them too much about grades, but you talk to them about grades, and oh, I'm getting C's, you know, I'm getting I'm getting B's. And the question that I always always ask the question I always asked whenever I asked about grades is that the best you can do. I know mom and dad may say, you better get A's. But all God expects is that you do your best. And you know, some people, B's are their best. Some people, I know you might not want to admit this, but C's are their best. And, and do you know, I, I, I know you don't want to admit this could ever happen, but D's might be the best for someone. But... Um, just doing their best is what God expects. And when you do your best, then you are content and you'll be satisfied in knowing that, look, I've, I've done the very best I can do, the best I know how. And if that means I end up in second place, if it means I end up with C's, if it means I end up not having the best, I'm satisfied in serving God. Boy, that changes your whole attitude towards sports, too, because it's not about being number one anymore. It's about fearing God and serving God and giving your best. And if that means you lose the championship game, you don't hang your head. Life's over. Might as well die. Because I've done my best. 
and God gives that contentment and satisfaction that only uh, love for him and fearing him will bring. Uh, look at chapter 22 and verse 4. And a very interesting verse here. Because God says, by humility and the fear of the Lord, come what? Riches, honor, and life. We already talked about fullness of day, days, a prolonged life, a full life, if you But I put it this way, it procures rich blessings. Riches, honor, and life are tied to fearing God. Now, please understand, as we've said before, this proverb, just as many are, is a general truth. It doesn't mean that everyone who fears God is rich. I, I hope it doesn't mean that. Don't you? Okay, some of you that are rich, you know, you understand that. Because we've got a bunch of those here. You know, they fought my father-in-law. He's rich. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he, he's in our camp, all right? He's, we're, 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 we're together in this one, all right? We're... None of us, are, you know, are in that, in that rich camp. But God doesn't say that you're going to have a lot of money. But when you humbly fear God, um, you are in the position for God to abundantly bless your life in every way, financially, socially, physically. And here's the question, what else could you want? Seriously, you know, people these days, they're looking for satisfaction. I, I know we already brought that out, but this verse kind of gives us this idea. That when I fear God, I'll have everything I want. Because I'll want what God gives me. Because I love him. So, here's the truth. The, the, if, if God has called the Morrises to Ecuador, they won't be satisfied anywhere else. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean they're going to have great riches. I know they don't. But it does mean that God will just richly bless as they have a reverence and a fear of him, financially, socially, physically. And, and again, I ask the question, what else could you want? In fact, let, let's conclude this point by turning to chapter 28. Because in chapter 28, in verse 14, God tells us there's one other result. And, and the fear of the Lord is a key to this. So what is the result? You tell me. Happy. It is the key to happiness. It is the key to real happiness. This is one of the few places in Proverbs where the fear of the Lord and God is not specifically mentioned, but the fear is clearly related to the fear of God. You say, well, how do you know that? Look at the verse. Happy is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. All right, so what is he dealing with in this verse but a relationship with God? A hardened heart? No, God. I'm not going to follow your word. I'm not going to go your way. But when I fear, fear what? Fear God and reverence him and walk in his way. That is, uh, the, 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 if you would, the, the walk to happiness. You know, I just want to be happy in life. You won't be happy if you don't fear God. You won't really know true happiness.
Um, and the, you know what? I'm going to just I'm going to save this, and we're going to we're going to look next week. Here's what we're going to look at: the fruition, the practical fruition, ooh, of fruit. The practical fruition of fruit. How does fruit come to fruition? How does it? How does it? Uh, how does it grow? How does it bring forth? How does the fear of the Lord? How do you bring forth the fear of the Lord? Um, and we're going to go back through some of the verses. We'll look at some of the different, a few different verses as well, and we'll see uh, some principles that uh, will just tie it all together and uh, allow us to to close out that study or this study in the Book of Proverbs: the fear of the Lord. Uh, but uh, may we just. Uh, see that there is precious fruit that's worth having. I, I don't know about you, but um, the fear of the Lord is, is worth having. As you look through this list of things, these, what, seven things, I think it is, um, it just cries out, hey, listen, listen, you're, you're missing something if you don't have a reverence for God. And the greater your reverence for God, the more satisfied you be. The greater your reverence, the happier you'll be. The greater your reverence for God, the greater you fear God, the more blessings he brings your way, the more confidence you have. I mean, just, you look at these things. And, uh, and it's not always an all or nothing. It's just as the greater you fear God. And may it be then, uh, an, if you would, a driving passion in your life. I want to fear God more because I want to know these things in my life. So I hope you've been challenged, as I have, uh, in studying this uh, important and truly blessed subject of fearing God. Father, thanks for the time you've given us and for the time in the Word, and, and help us, Lord God, to have that fear and to find the, the great fruit that comes um, as a result of, of fearing, respecting, reverencing, and having an awe of God and allowing that to, to control and, and direct our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you as you fear the Lord. He will. You're dismissed.